This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for this Thursday, February 16th. The weather forecast for today, cloudy with a chance of some showers this afternoon. And the temperature looks to be falling slightly to about plus two degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, John Tory has officially resigned. Number two, the Toronto City budget passing without fanfare. Number three, parents stage a stormy meeting at Halton School Board. Number four, RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky retiring. Number five, home sales nationally continue to slide. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Welcome to your Thursday, five degrees, and probably after an awful lot of people went to bed, it became official. They worked long into the night. They passed the budget at the City of Toronto, and as John Tory had said he would do, he submitted his letter, his letter of resignation addressed to the city clerk, John D. Elvidge. Dear Mr. Elvidge, in accordance with the City of Toronto Act, I hereby submit my resignation from the Office of Mayor for the City of Toronto, effective 5 p.m. EST, Friday, February 17th, 2023. I will be spending the next two days in meetings with Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey and city staff to continue to ensure an orderly transition. He continues, I want to thank the people of Toronto for trusting me as mayor since 2014. I continue to be deeply sorry and apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto and to all those hurt by my actions without exception. This has been the job of a lifetime. And while I have let many people, including myself, down in this instance, I have nonetheless been deeply honored by the opportunity to serve the people of this wonderful city for more than eight years, and I hope I achieved some good for the city I truly love. I will continue to be a contributing citizen, hopefully in a number of different ways. That is because I love the people of Toronto. I will never stop believing in Toronto and all of the residents who make it up. Yours truly, John Tory, Mayor of Toronto. So all of the intrigue ever since last Friday about whether or not John Tory could be persuaded to stay, I can certainly understand the frothy enthusiasm of those who supported John Tory and wanted him to stay, but I never thought he was going to change his mind. And I spent time yesterday at Toronto City Council, somebody was saying, things always get dramatic when you come here. And it's, well, yeah, I'm not the spice. I I happen to be the camera that comes on days that are tremendously controversial. I used to slip over to City Hall from time to time when Christy Blatchford was covering events there. And I'd sit next to her and she would just cuss under her breath again and again and again, because it's a tedious, mind-numbing process, but it's the process of running our city. But the times that I usually attend are extraordinarily colorful days. I mean, the last time it involved the mayor knocking over a city councillor, the city was in tumult and chaos. Uh, I forget at what stage in the Rob Ford many controversies that was, but I was attending on a day where it wasn't just about moving little items of business. It was about a soap opera and a drama, and sometimes it would seem an action film. And yesterday was a day of extraordinary significance. I noted a lot of things, including the fact that John Tory, and I'm not the only person to remark this, looks like he aged five years since last Friday. And 
I had a kind of odd encounter at one point where it was entirely by accident. I wasn't seeking out John Tory. I ended up in a corridor with him, a very narrow corridor that really, you know, three people abreast and your shoulders are touching the walls. And as much as I like the city council chamber, because I think it's a very interesting piece of modern architecture, it's a disaster for coming and going. And so you end up waiting for elevators and queuing. And so I decided, well, they were adjourning for lunch. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm done for the day. Ended up in a corridor. And all of a sudden I realized I'm staring at the back of John Tory's head. And then his staff decided that the elevator wasn't coming. So they would try another way of getting out of the chamber, turn around. And normally a politician is looking around themselves because they want to acknowledge people and shake hands and smile. Uh, it's just part of the job. It's part of being a politician. It's part of marshalling votes over long-term periods of time. It's a part of making people happy because they like to be recognized. John Tory was just staring dead ahead, walked past me. We almost brushed shoulders, did not see me. And I decided, you know what, leave him alone. Uh, I wasn't there yesterday necessarily as a, as a reporter. I wasn't there as a, a friend or a stalwart or an ally, but I just thought there's nothing I can bring to the party. There's no question he's going to answer to me that he hasn't already been asked by everybody else. So I let him pass by. And I just think of what a sad, sad thing it is personally for John Tory. But also, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not with Francis Nunziata saying that it's going to be a disaster. The city will survive. Places do survive. You know, administrations survive under different leadership and leadership changes. We're going to be okay. But I thought John Tory was a good mayor, and I admire him for so many of the things he brought to office, including this never-ending eagerness to push for the city of Toronto, to acknowledge the individual citizens to constantly have like five appointments a day to be out cutting ribbons, shaking hands, uh, delivering speeches, making people happy. And all of that has come to a crashing end for very personal reasons. And I don't want to get too deep into this, but, you know, I hope that all of the people who are crowing about this, and there aren't that many, I don't think, have never in their lives strayed because... I don't believe it impacts on a person's job necessarily. An office romance is a bad idea, yes. But at the same time, the, the level of um, Presbyterian purity out there is a little bit galling. Uh, one of the things that happened yesterday we'll talk about, and we're very fortunate, as you know, we have some city councillors as regular contributors here on our roundtables, and there will be several here today. Um, it was a raucous session that I think had nothing to do with the fact that John Tory was about to resign. There were activists, many of whom I recognized, and they kept on shouting down the whole process, including it's misrepresenting things to say when John Tory stepped up to the podium that he was about to introduce the budget. Therefore, the people who want to defund the police, the people who say the homeless are being left to their own uh, miseries. Uh, there was another group. I couldn't even figure out what they were there to protest. I think it was something about the TTC. But John Tory got up at the podium in order to honor the outgoing chief engineer of Toronto. And that's when they all started shouting him down. Thank you. Uh, before I begin, I wanted to assure the members of council uh, that I consulted Michael on how he wanted this to proceed in, in the circumstances. Okay. 
Okay. 15 minute, 15 minute recess. Everyone, everyone who will be vacated from the council chambers. Thank you. Okay. And that preceded 45 minutes of people who would not leave the chamber. And I spent some time on, on a couple of shows yesterday describing everything that unfolded. We can talk about it in greater detail because I found it interesting. I mean, Frances Nunziata is an interesting figure. She's taking nobody's crap. And one of the things she refused to do yesterday was to insist that the protesters be removed by the police. She, the police ended up on the Flora Council, which was somewhat shocking. And ultimately, they went through this um, procedure in order to get people to leave. And probably about a half dozen were carried out. None that I know of were arrested because I guess, you know, nobody wanted to award them the dignity of having a criminal arrest for disrupting a city council meeting. Um, but it was three times that there were disruptions and they had to gavel it out and send everybody, you know, to their corners. All right, time for what Toronto is talking about with News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good morning. Happy Thursday. So it is uh, finally official. Mayor John Tory officially handing in his resignation and his last day will be tomorrow. This happened late last night and John Tory handed in a letter of resignation which reads in part, in accordance with the City of Toronto Act, I hereby submit my resignation from office, Mayor of the City of Toronto, effective 5 p.m. EST on Friday. John Tory says he'll spend today and tomorrow with the Deputy Mayor, who is soon to be our Acting Mayor and City staff to ensure the transition. But this puts an end to almost a week of intrigue where a lot of people thought, hey, maybe he'll pull it back, maybe he'll take a leave, maybe he'll still be Mayor a year from now. The John Tory era ended at around 11 p.m. last night. He left City Hall around midnight. Wow, truly the end of an era. It's going to be strange uh, not seeing him on our show and on TV for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so before all this happened, John, we know that that city budget, uh, city council, went late into last night and so there were some protests, uh, but it got done. It's passed. I was present for a lot of those protests. Yeah, uh, three times they had to recess council because protesters started to heckle the proceedings and then they refused to leave the chamber. Once they did, though, I think Ed Keenan has an interesting take today in a column in the, the Toronto Star where he says it was fairly uneventful. I mean, there were some amendments proposed. There were a bit of shenanigans, which you usually expect at Toronto City Hall. But the budget passed ultimately, and it's largely the budget that John Tory had brought forward. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have to use those strong mayor powers uh, either. Mm -hmm. All right, John, moving on to this. I, I, I saw photos of this uh, circulate on social media, and at first I thought it was a joke, but it's not. Uh, and now the Oakville School Board is providing an update on staff dress code after, you know, the prosthetic breast controversy, a teacher wearing large prosthetic breasts to class. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the photos of this, but it was quite an eye opener. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there was a meeting of the district school board last night where parents were airing their grievances. And it just doesn't seem that the board has been particularly responsive of our, or nimble mm -hmm. in trying to react to this. Because what parents are saying is, listen, all the kids have to subject themselves to a dress code. Just apply the same dress code to uh, the adults, to the, the teachers. And the insane thing here is that this particular teacher no longer even works at the Oakville Academy where this all started. But that academy got another bomb threat. It's nine on Wednesday morning. Oh, wow. Okay, lots happening there. Uh, some very disturbing news. Scary story yesterday. A man walking a dog was shot at 13 times. An elderly man, after he was telling a vehicle to slow down, and King City Councillor uh, for Schaumburg, Mary Asselstein, is joining you at 7.20 to talk about this one. 
Yeah, we'll be learning more about the story, but you're right. A 65-year-old man just out walking his dog in Schaumburg. A car goes whizzing by. He gestures, hey, slow down. Now, we don't know exactly what kind of gesture that was, but nothing deserves what happened next. The car comes back, and a passenger fires on the guy and hits him 13 times. He's in critical condition. Yeah, that's uh, very scary. Okay, let's end with this, John. Home sales in Canada had their worst January since 2009, but we know that those rent prices just keep going up. They do. I mean, if you want to get into the figures, I don't want to dizzy people, but nationally, the average home price now is 714000 That's down almost 2% from December, but more significantly year to year, it's down by 12.6%. Probably a lot of people watching and listening right now are a little bit more interested in not the national price, but the Toronto and area price. In the Toronto region, the country's largest real estate market, obviously, mm -hmm. price index dropping 2.2% from December and down by 9.6% year over year. One last thing to note here, though, is that, you know, since I got to Toronto, which is 2003, the price of a house in Toronto has gone up threefold. So, yeah, it's a little scary when you talk about a double-digit loss year to year, but we're still way up over the last two decades. Yeah, we certainly are, and we still have a huge supply issue. So even though the prices have gone down, good luck trying to find a place that you want to buy. All right, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always great chatting with you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show. Jennifer Chang over at uh, CP24, our sister TV station. And I appreciate that if you are in a situation where you need to sell your home, either you've got to the point where you need to downsize or, you know, two stories is more than you can handle, or because there are some distress sales happening with interest rates going up, then this is very disappointing news that year to year, the price is down by 12%. I think in the long game, a lot of people, a lot of you listening right now though, are not gonna have to sell your house now, five or 10 years from now. So prices are going to recover. And also worth remembering that crazy year, that insane year, and I'd have to go look it up to see which calendar year it was, when housing prices in Toronto went up on average by about 30%. And that was during a time, I mean, post-recession and pre-inflation, you could not find a, a, an investment that was going to return unless you found some amazing stock. But you couldn't find an index, a mutual fund, or a bond that was ever, or a bank account, that was ever going to pay you more than about 2, 2.5%. You know, if somebody offered you 3.5%, you would have probably jumped on it. So we went through an era where real estate prices were going up and everybody was in the position of being able to cash in. And now there's a little bit more, more sobriety in the market. Uh, we'll talk about this and so many other issues, but I think, you know, when we consider a segment on CP24 called What Toronto's Talking About, what Toronto's talking about this morning is definitely John Tory leaving office. And there is a finality to the whole thing because he wasn't fooling around yesterday. And it was hard to observe John Tory yesterday because he had to sit at his desk at council and he's still highly regarded and there's still a, a significant portion of council and certainly the city workers who all sit at these meetings who firmly like and support him. But politically, it's over and the power is gone. And so... You know, what lies ahead for John Tory? I hope it's a good chapter. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 is the time on a Thursday afternoon. Afternoon. Thursday morning.
Sorry, I, sometimes I'm saying one thing while thinking about the next thing I'm going to say. And the next thing I was going to say is that by tomorrow afternoon, 5 p.m., John Tory will leave Toronto City Hall and he will no longer be the mayor. And, um, you know, it's a new era for our city. It's certainly the end of an era for our city. And John Tory was elected partly to end the chaos at City Hall. I think sometimes it's kind of like we forget the insanity of aspects of the lockdown during COVID. You know, there are times I'll sit with friends. Actually, Shelley Carroll was in studio this week, and we had that conversation you've probably had with a lot of people. When was the last time we saw each other? And it was two and a half years ago that we saw each other in person. We talk all the time, but we hadn't seen each other. Um, and so anyway, talking with friends, there are times where it's like, remember when you were scrubbing down your groceries? or you know that time that nobody was technically allowed in your house. The time where my brother would travel from Europe to visit his grandchildren and stay for two weeks in an Airbnb, and at least once, he did it twice, at least on one occasion, somebody actually came and knocked on the door to verify that he hadn't left the precinct. Um, you know, there was a lot of craziness there. And, I, and, and then we just, we've purged it, we've forgotten it, because most of it was so unpleasant. And I think that in many ways we forget the insanity that prevailed at Toronto City Hall during the Ford years. And, you know, people were camped out in front of the mayor's office, and they were yesterday, but that's a rare thing, every single day waiting for Rob Ford to respond to one scandalous accusation or another. And then one day he did. And it was like, I can't believe I just saw that on TV. And that wasn't the only day I couldn't believe that I'd seen something on TV. And then we got the self-described boring John Tory, who cribbed largely from uh, Premier Davis in terms of just do the job, don't create any drama, don't have enemies. Um, I know that you know there is more of a story to John Tory than than some people might tell, and in this case, you know he says so in his exit letter, which he handed in around uh, 10 p.m. last night. I think he. 10 or 11 p.m. last night, hands in the letter to the clerk, leaves at around midnight without any comment to the media. Um, but he says he's disappointed. He's disappointed in himself. He's disappointed to have let people down. And it has to be a very lonely place to be when you have coveted political success and public service your entire life, suffered some pretty major disappointments, not elected premier, uh, didn't even win his own seat when he ran against Kathleen Wynne. Um, you know, that didn't work out. Then becomes the mayor. And it's sort of like, it's kind of like Patrick Brown in Brampton. Now, I don't know how everybody in Brampton feels about Patrick Brown, but seems to me that he's doing the job of a mayor. And so all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm opening cricket matches and cutting ribbons and handing out trophies and uh, going to Rotary Club meetings and running the city and this is going great. And now I screwed it all up and it's over. I like Ed Keenan's column today, as I often do. I often cite Ed Keenan, saw him at City Hall yesterday. Can't help but think that I'm kind of a peripheral shadowy figure in the column he writes today because he writes about how normally City Hall is this extraordinarily boring affair and there's the usual coterie of reporters. And yesterday, all of a sudden, there was national media and people haven't been seen at City Hall in ages showed up. And that includes me and he and I had a chat. But what Ed writes about is that the budget ultimately 
And I got an email from John Burnside, city councilor, this morning that makes the same point. Almost nothing really happened. Everybody was expecting some kind of drama that one of the lefty councilors was going to stand up and come up with some clever amendment that was going to paralyze the whole process and then compel John Tory to wait out the waiting period and then use his strong mayor powers. Never happened. Uh, there were a couple of propositions. They fell flat in the end, probably because it's not that numerous. The caucus, if there is such a thing, of leftist city councillors decided to let this thing go for now. And so Ed Keenan writes that basically everybody showed up for the drama yesterday. And what they got was, as he describes it, the uh, grinding democracy. He says, until late at night Wednesday, the only action here was the actual business of the city. And while I get as swept up in the excitement as of scandalous moments as anyone, it certainly makes my job more exciting. Part of me thinks it's a shame the crowds so seldom come out for this part. Grinding as it can be and annoying in its moments of picayune discussion and procedural nitpicking, it is how the city works and how it doesn't work. Either way, it's as consequential as any scandal. And he's right. I don't know when the next time I'm going to be back at City Hall is. You know, I missed my nap yesterday. So, <laughs> What, you couldn't nap during the proceedings? No, no, uh, because we were constantly being yelled at by protesters and kicked out by Francis Nunziata. Um, so I, I promised I would tell you a quick story, and that is, and I wish I could remember the actual names. Uh, it was so chaotic at times yesterday. I mean, I was talking to Jerry live on the air, and all of a sudden the security comes up to me and says, now you have to leave. Like, previously they were trying to kick out the activists, but the media got to stay. And this time Francis Nunziata said, clean this house. And so there I was being marched down a staircase while I was on the air with Jerry. So there was a lot of uh, tumult, let's say. But... One of the things that happened was that the protesters st started yelling. So Francis Nunziata said, OK, that's it. We're in recess. And then they refused to leave. And Francis Nunziata did not want to call the police because she thought that's what they want. And especially the defund the police people would like to, you know, have images of them being grabbed by police officers and hustled out of the place so they can talk about the jackboot of oppression. So instead, what happened was um, they called in the security guards. And then, you know, that went one through one thing or another. And finally, the police arrived, but they never actually, to my eye, laid their hands on anyone or even left the floor of council. Because there's like a gallery, like an amphitheater, and then there's the actual floor of council, which is blocked off by glass and then velvet ropes. And the police remained there. They were there as backup. But when the cops walked in, one of the protesters calls out, hey, Sam, and the police officer goes, hi, Bob. And I mean, clearly they have seen each other at so many protests. There they are on a first name basis. So this is almost like kabuki theater, this sort of occupation of counsel, yelling and screaming, agitating, waiting for the police to come in because you know you're going to be removed. And then you know you're going to be blocked from coming back in. And yeah, there are questions to be raised about whether or not democracy can unfold properly when some people are barred from being in the house. But at the same time, democracy cannot proceed if you're just going to hackle every time they try to get to it. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't know if you could see the air quotes around 
the word retires for RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky. Don't know her, never met her. I just don't think that there's that much uh, lamentation over the fact that she has announced her retirement. By her own admission, during her administration, she was appointed in 2018, she, quote, dropped the ball four times. Not sure what all of those occasions are. I think one of them was definitely when she got on the phone to RCMP officers in New Brunswick and pressured them to identify the guns that were used in a shooting spree. And while I know a lot of people would love for there to be a conspiracy that reaches all the way up into the prime minister's office, that she was under pressure, no evidence of that has ever come to bear. So it would seem she was just trying to be a good you know, servant to the PMO, maybe hoping, I'm not sure how far along in the four ball droppings this was, you know, so maybe she was hoping for some better luck. Um, but it has not worked out particularly well. And it's not entirely her fault either. The RCMP has been a mess forever. And in spite of the fact that it's one of the more famous and prescient and trenchant national symbols, whenever they put on the the Mountie hats and the red outfit, um, this force has been riven with all kinds of controversy, actually going on for decades. Uh, there are 650 detachments across the country. Uh, some of them are tiny one officer detachments. Some of them are actually fighting the good fight when it comes to cyber crime and um, you know, child luring and all that kind of stuff. Um, as listed in the account today that I'm reading in the National Post, the RCMP has armored vehicles, planes, helicopters, 19,000 officers, 11,000 civilian members. And so far in a good long time, they don't seem to have found a commissioner who is capable of taming the many troubles that they suffer in the RCMP. So that's, uh, she's going to be leaving on the 17th of March. Maybe she can have, raise a pint and uh, celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I don't think she'll be in a celebratory mood. I don't want to be mean to her on the way out the door. I just don't think this quite worked out. So um, I don't understand. I mean, Jerry has been doing hilarious segments about the Halton District School Board. And on, on many fronts, not just this business of the shop teacher who wears prosthetic breasts. I don't know why they have been so slow and inept at responding to this particular crisis. I'm on record as having said, I don't believe this is anything about gender inclusion. I think this is somebody who was seeking to make a scene. And if they had shown up dressed as Pennywise the Clown to teach a shop class, I think, you know, we would not have said this is about clown inclusion. And I'm sorry, you can express whatever gender you want, but if you want to wear fake comic breasts, then you're making a scene and you're not really behaving like a respectable citizen, certainly not like a respectable pedagogue. So I don't know why the board has not been faster in handling this. And the most elegant solution is to do what parents are asking them to do. As a matter of fact, one of the parents who's been leading the charge is a lawyer. And he says if he doesn't get what he wants, if the parents don't get what they want, then they'll just go to the courts. And so I think they should. He just says, there is a dress code in the school. Make the teachers respect the same dress code. I don't think any student who showed up with enormous fake breasts would 
be allowed to to get away with it. I'm, you know, how many times does a kid get marched off to uh, the principal's office? Usually the vice principal, isn't it? Vice principal is always the marshal. Um, you know, for wearing a skirt that goes too high if they have uh, one of those rules or for wearing jeans in a school where you're not allowed to wear jeans. I remember the big deal in my high school was that there was one goth and she liked to wear ripped up clothing in the style of Madonna 1982. And she was told she couldn't do that. Hilarious thing is she was the ultimate rebel, but being a rebel in high school is not hard. And she ended up marrying a minister. She became very, very conventional. Anyway, it was a, a contentious meeting last night, mostly because, like I said, the board doesn't seem to ever indicate that they're going to do something about this. Apparently, they're going to spend another two weeks looking at the issue. And I did pass a confusion, as an old uh, police source of mine used to say in Montreal. The teacher apparently has returned to that Oakville school. Uh, this, the teacher was transferred elsewhere and doing substitute teaching for a while, went on leave, according to some people I'm hearing from, but is now back at that particular school. Kind of an alarming story that I was watching last night on the evening news when I wasn't distracted by all of the insane drama at Toronto City Hall. But uh, Toronto police have busted 10 people so far, including six under the age of 18. This is in a uh, project called Project Mayhem, and it's all about robberies that have been staged in pharmacies. And I don't know if these, you know, you have to think that these, I mean, some of them are kids, are doing this at the behest of adults and then, you know, with the hopes of the kids, if they ever get caught, being subjected to less punishment in the juvenile justice system. But... Police have charged 10 people, two of whom are from Mississauga, age 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 20. And an easy solution to all of this, because I was watching the video, and I can't imagine what it's like. You're a pharmacist. You're used to people stepping up to the screen and whispering about some medical issue that they have and handing you a piece of paper, and you tell them, come back in 10 minutes, and you'll have whatever it is they need. And instead, there's somebody vaulting over the counter with a gun telling you to start dispensing the fentanyl and other pain relievers. And the easy solution to all of this is machines that have been installed in pharmacies. Apparently, it's um, a big deal in BC, but I'm pretty sure we have some pharmacies here that have the same thing. It's basically a dispensing machine with a time delay on it. And so you put in that you need 10 pills of such and such, and they don't come out of the machine for five minutes, which is no biggie for the person who came for a legitimate prescription, but it's way longer than anybody waving a gun can wait for the police to arrive on the scene. It ain't cheap, but much like those machines that dispense money in banks so that they don't have drawers full of cash anymore, it kind of eliminates the problem altogether. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.